Hey, James. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we are going to be doing them on Wednesdays um, for the foreseeable future. Uh, I do need to start working out again, and so if we do video on Monday, podcast on Wednesday, video on Friday, um, I think we'll be okay. Um, one of the benefits of, of the podcast, I just want to kind of I don't know how to say this, but I, one of the benefits of the podcast is that I will share with you more personal things here. Um, <clears throat> I think with the videos, I, 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 I don't have as much time to talk, obviously. So, you know, if I'm trying to keep the videos to 15, less than 15 minutes each... Um, what, what I'm trying to say is that one of, the, one of the benefits of listening to the podcast is I may share something with you uh, it's personal um, that's relevant but um, I, I actually went and got a um, bumper sticker made and you know I've been thinking about you know where are we going with this? You know, it's got to be important enough for people to want to spend their time either watching a video and or listening to a podcast. And it just... I felt like God was saying it's got to be relevant. As well as moments where you know, no, I didn't hear some booming audible voice, but I just felt like through my through my conscience, God was saying it's got to be relevant. And so I, I had this bumper sticker made, and it just simply says, "James Paul White, videos on YouTube, relevant Bible teaching." And so I feel like. God has really just pointed out that this has to be relevant to our lives. So, that being said, I'm going to, I've already got my notes out, I'm going to take my Kindle, Kindle Fire, and open it up, turn to my Takarta Bible app, and we will get started. We're mainly going to be in First and Second Thessalonians this week. Um, actually, there's not really a lot in First Thessalonians. There's, as far as verses on grace is concerned, um, you have the opening and you have the closing. Um, the, I don't believe that Paul uses the word grace at all in. Um, First Thessalonians. Now, from what I remember, I was taught in seminary. I think First Thessalonians is the first letter that Paul actually wrote. Okay. No, no mention of of grace anywhere else other than the opening and the closing. Um. 
Although there is something interesting at the end of 1 Thessalonians that I want to point out. If you look at 1 Thessalonians 5, here's his closing comments. He says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who will all, who also will do it. You have to understand that, like, God not only saves us, the justification part where he... he he changes us from within, gives us a new heart, you know, and we're then able to repent and believe in Jesus. But God also continues to work on our character. He wants us to be like Jesus inside and out. And not only did he call you, it says there in verse 24, he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. So he is going to um, he is going to make sure that you are growing. I don't I just got a text and I'm trying to see who texted me. <sighs> okay. It had nothing to do with me. Good. Um, I'm, I'm mindful of my phone because I, I happen to be on call this week, so. Um, so, God is the one that's going to help us to grow. And then he says this. He says, Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. This is how letters are they're passed around. You have to understand that they didn't have, like, one big, giant building like we do. There were different house churches throughout the city of Thessalonica, and they met together in these homes, and so the letters would have to be passed around from house to house to house. History tells us that over time what they did was that once the letter had circulated... The, the different cities of cr groups of Christians in s different cities would swap letters. They would make a copy of the letter and then they would exchange it with the church in Galatia or the church in Ephesus or the church in Philippi or the church in Colossa. And that's how the early church started to get these letters and put them together. Now, interestingly, um, I'm mindful of this because um, I, I, I should I 
should I share this? I'm wanting to pursue another master's degree at uh, Grace Bible Theological Seminary. And Dr. James R. White's going to be teaching a three-day intensive like he did on apologetics. He wants to do a three-day intensive on church history. And so I started reading the book that he's going to assign for the class. And I'm mindful of how Marcion in the second century tried to say that the only um, he tried to he was a Gnostic and he tried to say that the only uh, the only gospel that you could trust was Luke and he said only ten of Paul's letters were considered biblical that are worthy of being referred to as scripture so the early church had to deal with that and then it helped them kind of define what is the New Testament. So, by the end of the second century, um, most churches ex accepted most of the letters in the New Testament. There was still some arguments about Hebrews and Revelation. It was thought by most that Paul wrote Hebrews, but they weren't sure. Uh, there is a theory out there that um, Barnabas wrote it. But I say all that to, because verse 27 shows the beginning of that need to pass the letter from house church to house church to house church throughout the city because really there was a church of Thessalonica in Thessalonica but it was made up of different house churches and they had to pass the letter around from one house to another to another to another alright 2nd Thessalonians of course it's verse 2 chapter 1 verse 2 there's the opening he's, he's greeting them if you go down to verse 12 actually I want to start in verse 11 Paul says, Therefore we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, there's, there's two things. Paul wants... The fact that that their actions would glorify God, or, and then the name of Jesus Christ would be glorified because of the things that they're doing. Um, we have to be very mindful of the fact we're not we're not doing it to earn our salvation, but we represent Jesus Christ. Paul and other places in the Bible refers to us as ambassadors for Christ. So, everything that we do and everything that we say should glorify God. And Paul specifically said glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we do that? 
look at the second part of the verse. According to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, God's grace has to not only save us, but empower us to live a life that will glorify God. And you're like, well, how do I do that? Well, there's getting a snack, by the way. You, you know, you may have seen sometimes sports figures will um, pray before a game or, you know, and, and, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but I know for me there are times when I need to pray that God will help me have a good attitude. There are some days I don't feel like being loving. I don't feel like being kind. But I've got to minister to people who are really not feeling well. And I understand that there are times when I talk to people, in, you know, if they're especially in a hospital, um, they may be confused because of the sickness or maybe even because of medication that they're on or I could be dealing with somebody who is uh, in the middle of detoxing from uh, drugs or alcohol there could be a lot of different reasons why this person I'm dealing with isn't exactly acting right um, I'll give you a great example I'm not even going to say what city I was in because I wasn't. This did not happen here in Texas. But I walk into a, a room and I try to introduce myself. And the guy pulls the sheets off of him, pulls the sheet and blanket off of him, and he reveals all of his nakedness. And uh, I had to turn around immediately say, that's not appropriate. And so he puts the blanket back over the top of himself. He said, well, I thought you were the, I thought you were the doctor. I need to just show you. And he's like, sir, I said, good morning. My name, and I introduced myself as a chaplain. He saw the long sleeve shirt and khaki pants and thought I was a doctor. Did he do anything wrong? Well, he probably should have listened a little bit before he pulled the sheet back. But ultimately his goal was I have a problem with my private area and I need someone to fix it. Like now. That was his motive. Did I want to see that? No. So, you're dealing with all kinds of people who could respond in a variety of different ways. Whether you're walking down the street, whether you're going in the store, 
you've got to be prepared to respond in a way that's going to glorify God. That particular case, I established some very clear boundaries right away and said that's not appropriate. I didn't cuss him out. I didn't get mad. I just simply just turned and I was a little frustrated. Because once he realized that I wasn't a doctor, he didn't want me around. So he basically said, get lost. You know, there will be times when people reject you. There will be times when people uh, misunderstand you and may mistreat you. Um, my gosh. Nowadays, if you are not just... 100% behind the whole LGBTQIA alphabet mafia. It's not just do you agree in that same-sex marriage is okay. They're not wanting equality. They want uh, what Dr. James R. White refers to as uber rights. They want to be glorified. They want to be put on a pedestal. And if you don't agree with that, you're a homophobe, you're a monster, you're ignorant, you're backwards. How do you respond to people like that? You know, can you just look at somebody and say, you know what? I just can't agree with that. I, I live by the Bible, that the Bible is my standard, and I cannot agree with two men or two women getting married. You try to be, you know, Ephesians 4.15 says, Speak the truth in love. That's how you can... Glorify the Lord Jesus Christ who's in you and operate by the grace of God working inside of you. We don't need to get in shouting matches with people. Now understand, people that have bad, that don't have good boundaries are going to push against your boundaries. The guy that I was trying to talk to I didn't want to see his junk. If eating during this podcast is... If that offends you, I apologize. But I literally ate on the way home so I would save time. I'm still hungry. But thankfully, I have a healthy snack. So, anyway, we want the Lord Jesus Christ to be glorified in all that we do and say. And we want to do it by the grace of God. And sometimes we have to pray and say, God, you know, this person has mistreated me in the past. This person has done some really bad things. I'm asking you to fill me with your grace so I can be 
loving and kind when I deal with this person. Okay. Let's go to chapter 2. So we're in Second Thess- Thessalonians chapter 2. I like this verse a lot. Look down at verse 16. He says, Now may the, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. That's really good. So, eternal comfort or everlasting consolation. You know, sometimes sometimes when we're down, we just need to pray and say, God, you know, I really I really had a bad day today and, and I I don't know why this stuff happened, and I'm just asking you to help me be at peace about whatever happened. Um, obviously, if you know that you've sinned, you know, repent, turn from your sin, give it over to God, and, and, and ask for help. But he says, he gives us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace. Now, we know that we are saved by grace through faith. The hope that we have is that we know, regardless of how good or bad tomorrow will be, that one day the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. That's the hope that we have. We know we are on the winning team. I'll give you an example. Um, When I lived in Stillwater, Oklahoma, I used to be um, not an usher, but one of the people at the gate. I almost said taking tickets, but really you're scanning tickets. And there was a game against West Virginia. And we weren't doing so well. Oklahoma State wasn't. And there was a rain delay. And I remember, because I've, I've seen the movie Shawshank Redemption a lot. I've seen it several times. It was pouring rain. I wanted to just once, so I just I went out to kind of where it was, past the gate, where it's raining, just held my hands up in the air, and I wanted to do that pose like Andy Dufresne. But so I, I did that, and I got I got wet, obviously, but it didn't matter because it was hot out, so it felt good. Um, so anyway, we went on to win the game, or not we, Oklahoma State did. And I remember later on that week, it was either Tuesday or Wednesday of, of, of the next week, that game was being shown as a replay 
on, I believe, Fox Sports Sports 1. And the cool thing about it is, I was watching this game. And I had zero stress. Because, you know, I want my team to win, and I want them to do well. But because I already knew the outcome, I was completely relaxed. Even though, for the good first half, or so, West Virginia was leading. But I knew that Oklahoma State was going to come back. We have a hope that's much bigger than that. Because we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. And that's our hope. Um, 2 Thessalonians 3.18 is a closing remarks. Um, 1 Timothy 1.14 um, Paul says this, he said and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Let me read verse 15 because it gives a little bit of context. He says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul refers to himself as the chief sinner. Even though the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant in his life. There's a, a level of humility in Paul that I have a ton of respect for. And that is something that I am striving for. I don't care how many degrees I have. I don't care how much chaplain training I've had. I don't care how many hospitals I've worked at or prisons. I've also been a pastor. That doesn't make me better than anybody else. First and foremost, I'm a, I'm a servant. And I say that because I too could could say that I am the chief of sinners. My life before I got saved as a teenager, my gosh, my mind was wicked. I wanted a girlfriend, and I wanted to have sex, and I was going to, by God, I was going to do whatever it took. I mean, I was a lot like the guy in Groundhog Day, Phil Connors, before Phil started to change. I don't know if you've ever seen the the movie. You you know that there's a point where he he's like, huh? This new uh, producer is pretty attractive. Is Andy McDowell's character? 
and he uses the fact that he wakes up every day in his Groundhog Day to try to learn things about her. But he's doing it in a way that where he's trying to manipulate her. Of course, she picks up on it, and there's just several times where it ends where she basically slaps him in the face. And of course, he gets depressed. Then he tries to kill himself, and of course, he wakes up again in February 2nd. But something happens inside of him. And I th- it, it kind of symbolizes what happens to us as a Christian when we get saved. Because Phil starts to care about other people. He catches the kid that falls out of the tree. He cares about the homeless man and actually tries to take him to the diner and get him soup. Where earlier in the movie he was eating donuts and drinking and and smoking and just complete um, hedonism. He now, towards the end of the movie, cares about other people. Whether he's catching the kid out of the tree or he's trying to help the homeless man to to get well or the the two older ladies... um, who later at the at the the ball thing, you see these two older ladies are dancing with each other. Um, he helps change their flat tire. Uh, he helps the mayor. Um, he gets behind him and does the Heimlich maneuver when when he's chokes on a, a piece of meat. He starts to learn to care about one another. And I think that's what happens to us when the grace of God overflows in our life. Um, I think I'm going to just end with the next one. We'll we'll do Second Timothy next week. It says in First Timothy six twenty one. It says some have swerved from the faith. And then it says, "Grace be." The closing it says, "Grace be with you." Um, let me read verse twenty and twenty-one. It says, "O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust. Avoid the profane and idle babblings and contradictions, what is falsely called knowledge, and by professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith." Or some translations say, "Swore." Oh, for some reason, I'm in the New King James. I don't know. When I did my notes, I was in the ESV. That's why there's a difference. That's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, In the ESV, it says, Some have swerved from the faith. Of course, the Reformed point of view is that people that leave the church were never saved to begin with. Um, If they don't come back and they continue to Sin, you, you have to question, you know, whether they were even saved. I don't like to get into that kind of just thinking because I do believe God can soften someone's heart. And if someone leaves the church and they're not talking to me, I'm going to keep praying for them. It's not my job to worry about the outcome. 
I'm supposed to be loving and kind and compassionate and caring, so I'm just going to pray for them and trust God with the outcome. I, I think if, if, if you don't get anything out of this podcast today except for this one thing, remember this. Our job is to be obedient. Let God be God in, in, in the outcomes. Let Him deal with that stuff. Our job is to be obedient. We don't know who the elect are. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. Share your faith. If you're not sure of how to share your faith, I do have a video on how to do that on YouTube. Look under James Paul White. If you, if, you, if you don't have a Bible with you and people are asking you why you're different, just tell them what God has done in your life. You know, I don't know who the elect are, but the Bible says in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, that I'm supposed to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and love my neighbor as myself. Even if my neighbor looks different than me or acts different than I do. Anyway, we will start with Second Timothy next week. Um, I'm kind of disappointed; not a whole lot of people have listened to the podcast this week. But that's okay. I mean, it's hot outside. I get it. You know, people have stuff to do. But um, thank you to the faithful few who do listen. And uh, the video next video will be out Friday. Um, until then, I hope you have a great night. Try to stay cool. It is hot out, so love you guys. Talk to you later.